Okay, now and verses in chapter 11 uh, that we also want to keep in mind in part of this review. Verse 1, Paul, again, goes back to um, saying God has not rejected his people, has he? In the, in the strongest sense, may it never be, or God forbid. And he also says, I too am an Israelite. So we see in chapters 9, 10, and 11 that Paul keeps going back um, to the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. Verse 5, very important. After we um, read some verses there, he talks about, in the same way there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Remember we talked about the remnant that God saved um, and kept for himself 7,000 men that didn't bow the knee, knee to Baal. And then we come upon verses 11 through 16, which we went over last week that Tyler covered. Again, Paul's making this case here for Israel, explaining it to the church in Rome, who is mainly Gentile church. And again, Paul hasn't been there to teach or preach at. He is doing that through this letter, trying to give him as much information as he can. So verse 11 says, I say then they did not stumble as so as to fall, did they? And that fall meant complete, completely fall, cut off forever. Again, the strongest sense of the word, no. May it never be, God forbid. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous, right? To make the nation of Israel jealous. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentile, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And this is where we ended last week. If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. That's where we left off. We touched on that last week. We'll start in verse 17. But let's talk about what is this holy lump of dough and branches and roots. What is Paul talking about here? What's your thoughts? Branches broken off or broken off in Israel. All the tree riches. Okay, then verse 17 there. <laughs> yep. So in, in 16, he says, the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. Uh, if, sorry, if the first piece of dough. And if the, the root is holy, the branches are too. So what is the, this holy lump of dough? What, is, what, are the, what are the roots? Well, it's saying the thing that comes after, like the dough comes after the lump and the roots come after the tree. Okay. Also, so, okay. So roots are the law. <laughs> Think so? What else? What else would the, the lump, this first lump or the root be? Jerry, give us a little elbow grease here. 
I'm not authoritative. I know you're referring to the to the patriarch's <coughs> calling of Abraham. That was the choice God declared him holy, righteous. Because Good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, in uh, many references here, has talked about um, who the blessing has belonged to, and it started with Abraham. In Genesis, remember what chapter? 12. 12? 15. 17. Yeah. And many times we've referenced what is part of the blessing that he gave to Abraham. There's three key things that we've brought up several times in the class. Land, seed, and blessing. Land, seed, and, and blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we touched on it on Romans 9, but that's a, a reference there. Verse 6. Um, actually, verse 5, sorry. Those are the fathers, from, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is overall up. And, uh, sorry, verse 4. Who are the Israelites, to whom belong the adoption of sons, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the temple services, and the and then we also see just a little bit later in this chapter, 11, chapter 11, verse 28, where Paul says, from the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Uh, what, do you, what do you think is important about um, a mention of the first piece of dough? Tyler touched on this last week. I'm not sure if, if we picked up on that yet or not, but what would be significant with the first piece of dough makes the whole lump holy? Any thoughts? <laughs> not, not actually bread? Not actually bread. Okay, that's a good start. Thanks, Walker. Glad you're contributing. <laughs> Wait, is the first lump Israel? Or is that the Gentiles? Not the Gentiles. The, the first piece of dough is Abraham. Right? Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. Then the descendants in ethnicity for Abraham is the lump. Right? So God, God was making the lump Israel mm -hmm. his, his own people. Children of <laughs> and we know throughout the law that was given um, that the uh, people of Israel were supposed to give uh, their first fruits of what they've gained as a sacrifice to the Lord, right? And what what was that? Why why did he want them to do that? Demonstration of trust for their provision coming from him. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, it was obviously at a Thanksgiving um, that they have they have something to um, give to God. That they're trusting He will provide more. They're asking for blessing over the rest of the crop or the flock or whatever it is that they have acquired. Correct. So we see that here in verse 16. But let's keep let's just keep that in mind as we go on. Um, we talked about the root and the branches. Um, as well, so 
equating this first piece of dough to the root, uh, the root would make the branches holy also. Okay, end of verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, you being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Who's you? What is the you? I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Gentiles. <laughs> yeah, just up a couple verses. Okay, the you is the, the church, the Gentiles specifically in Rome. And Andy mentioned it already. Uh, some of the branches were broken off. So who were those branches? Unbelievers of who? Israel. Nope. Israel. Israel. Right. Yeah. And you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became a partaker with them in the rich root of the olive tree. Um, some of the branches were broken off and you were grafted into that rich root. So Paul's drawing up this illustration now as we um, come into verses 17 through 24 of a tree. So let's read through the rest of it so we get a glimpse of this and we'll, we'll touch on each verse. But do not be arrogant toward the branches, but if you are arrogant, remember that is not you. It is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who felt severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will they, who are the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Okay, so you see the illustration going on here, right? And we see the first part um, of this picture. I'm going to try and draw here, so bear with me. Paul's talking about this cultivated olive tree, right? And we got these branches coming out here. And God has pruned this tree and worked on this tree for its lifetime. It's got roots. We talked about roots. Let's put those down there. Strong roots. He's also talking about, use my other color, a wild olive tree, right? So what's a wild olive tree gonna look like? I imagine it's gonna be skinny. Skinny, okay, yeah. It's too skinny. That's good, yeah, not very many roots. And I'm thinking this thing's gonna have just tons of branches that haven't been clipped or pruned or anything. And you know when you get a tree or a plant with tons and lots and branches everywhere that uses all its resources, its water, 
to just try and get it to grow, right? Small brutes down here. They're small and stunted compared to the cultivated. And they can taste kind of gross sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Okay. So Paul's using this illustration, um, talking about some of these branches here been cut off, right? And he is going to, God has grafted in, let's use this one right here. Let's get rid of that. God's grafted in from this wild olive tree, these branches. That aren't supposed to be there. But they are receiving the nourishment from this root. And the root comes from, biblically, where again? Abraham God. is blessing God. <laughs> so what is part of the blessing that Abraham received? In regards to this tree. That's the blessings. The blessings, the to, blessings the to the world. To the world, right? To all the nations. All the nations? Right, right. I'm, I'm picturing, as Paul's talking through this, this tree, which is big and, again, cultivated, and God is, has grown it himself, its fruit was meant to drop on the rest of the world where that hasn't taken place. God's going to use this wild tree that hasn't been pruned at all and put it in here, and it's going to grow and it's going to be able to grow fruit that it's never produced before because of the root that is supplying the life of that tree. But it's not supposed to be there, right? That, that, those branches and that wild olive tree were never, ever, ever going to be a part of this tree according to nature. So we connect verse 17 with verse 24. Again, verse 24 is very important. If you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted in and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted into their own tree? So again, totally contrary to nature. It shouldn't happen that way. But Paul's using this illustration. It was somewhat of a normal practice back then um, because olive trees were a huge, huge part of the economy. Um, they used olives and, and all kinds of stuff, olive oil, was very important to the economy as well. And this, and olive trees lived for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but the older branches from younger trees and literally graft them on to the older trees that had produced fruit for so good um, to have them continue producing the fruit that, uh, that they were growing. Yeah. And Paul's analogy, would it be fitting to they didn't go into a fire and dissolve, but they're lying on the ground and looking up and being made jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was gonna be a part of the illustration. Yeah, there's some branches down here, right? They got cut off. And they're they're not getting fed. They don't have this connection. That's there's no connection here to the root. They came from up here. They know what this blessing was. They know what the supply of life was, but because of their unbelief, they were broken off. 
And yeah, we're going to see uh, even later in verse um, 25 through the, the end of the, the chapter there, just that we'll get into more next week. But they are to be grafted back in. And I went over the review and started in chapter 9 to point out Paul's continually talking about the nation of Israel and the people and his brethren and his desire for them and is explaining to a people group that is Gentiles. And I don't know about you, but me being a Gentile, I can get pretty arrogant sometimes. <laughs> right? And so that's the majority of our text that we're looking at here is Paul saying, hey, you're not supposed to be here. This wasn't anything you did. God's gifted you with grafting you into this tree. But do not be arrogant. Verse 18. Don't be arrogant towards those branches. And if you are arrogant, remember that it's not you who supports the root. The root supports you. So we have to keep that in mind. It's a warning. Verse 18 is a warning. You got to remember where the lifeblood comes from. As biblical Christians who know the word of God and have saving faith, we have to believe that none of that came from us. Absolutely none of it. It was all God in his grace choosing us out of our life and out of our own sin and condemnation to put us in his family, right? Verse 19, Paul's just anticipating this prideful rebuttal that, again, would come from Gentiles that it's so easy to start thinking highly of ourselves. And surely those in, in Rome, um, it was a big city. It had a lot to be prideful about. Um, There's probably lots of backgrounds that this new church came from. And uh, it's always, always been a practice throughout all of God's word that God's people are to remain humble and not prideful. So he anticipates this rebuttal here. And he says for them, the branches were broken off so that I, may, I might be grafted in. And yeah, that, he says quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. Right? So we do need to pay attention to his, what he actually says here, where we say those branches were broken off in order that we may be grafted in, which isn't the truth. We were grafted in, truly, but they weren't broken off so that they were broken off because of their unbelief. Mm -hmm. He didn't do that because we were so good and needed it. Right. Definitely not because we were so good and needed it. No. So I jump here to say that those who say that God is done with Israel and all his blessings are transferred to the church now, are totally forgetting, ignoring the fact that we're still grafted on to the root, which right. is from Israel. So right. it's just irrational. Sorry, I keep going on to that. No, you're right. You're right, though. Um, it, it isn't because of us. It's uh, because of their unbelief. And again, God's going to use us to make the uh, nation of Israel jealous. Right? Again, those branches are there. Um, like Jeremy said, looking up, and um, they should become jealous, and they will, in time. And um, individually, here and there, they do, but as a people, the group, as a nation, they haven't yet, right? 
So Paul answers that rebuttal, um, points out unbelief as a cause of being broken off, um, lifeless without fruit. Verse 21, uh, he says, fear God because he will not spare any whole people group if they are in unbelief either. Remember, the pruning takes place and there's going to be many, probably within the church in Rome and uh, surely within our church today that come to church, are here at church, participate in everything that um, the body of Christ does and are enjoying some of the blessings that the church receives but aren't true believers, that aren't truly a part of uh, the church in spirit and in faith. They like what they hear, they like the people, they like um, the, the lifestyle or whatever, whatever the reason is, um, but knowing and saying that Jesus Christ is the one true God of the universe, is the Lord um, who came here and died for us on the, tr- on the cross, on the tree, and covered our sins, was our propitiation. Um, and believing that Jesus is who he says he is, they will be, they will be taken away. They will be pruned off. Um, but he's not going to spare a person or a whole people group as um, can happen as the larger body of the group falls into unbelief because they never were believers before, right? I got cross-references here on the side, and all of these are really good. Let's see how we're doing on time. Yeah, we're doing okay. We can start jumping to those, but let me finish a couple of my notes here just through the rest of these verses, and then we'll look at those cross-references. If you have a favorite one you like, go ahead and turn to it, and we'll have you guys read. The Isaiah 27 one, um, it's easier to hear in NLT. Um, it's easier for me to understand. So if anyone has the NLT or the NIV, that's probably going to be an easier read for the Isaiah one. But the rest of them, it's whatever, whatever translation uh, that you have there. Verse 22, individually, God is merciful to believers and just to unbelievers, even if they are part of that church. But the perseverance of the saints will be what happens to the true believers. They will persevere uh, and they will not uh, fall. Verse 23, God will graft the Jews back in again upon belief because he is able. It's his world. It's his plan. He is the one in charge. In verse 24, we see if God can graft wild branches to his family, even through, even though it's contrary to nature, then he can remove, uh, he can even more so graft back in the natural branches to their original family. And just for context, uh, because it's hard not to have it in here, verse 25 Paul says, for I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Um, Again, just for context, we gotta gotta at least read that, so we cover that, and uh, this fits all in as one letter together. So does anyone have Jeremiah eleven sixteen that they can read out loud for us? If not, I can get it. I can do it. See. Jeremiah eleven sixteen. This pertains to verse seventeen in our text here. 
Okay, go ahead. Read. The Lord once called you a green olive leaf, beautiful with good fruit, but with the roar of a great tempest, he will set fire to it, and its branches will be consumed. Okay, that pairs up with verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off, you being the wild olive, were grafted in among them. So it's talking about being broken off here. And the wording used is talking about calling them a green olive tree, beautiful in fruit and form. Um, but then he talks about cutting them off there. Verse 18 in our text this morning, uh, John 4.22 is a great crop reference for that. I got it. Okay, go Andrew. John 4.22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. The salvation is from the Jews. Great. And that fits in because Paul says here, do not be arrogant towards the branches, for if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. And here we see Christ, um, or we see the text saying that, you know, it comes from the Jews, that the faith comes from. And then verses 19, we just jump back a couple pages to Romans 9, verse 19 as well. 19 is just the rebuttal here. So in chapter 9, verse 19, we saw also Paul using this type of um, language in his letter. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who? Resists his will. Kind of a sarcastic attitude, right? We went over that before. Um, that those will be shooting up these questions and not asking them in humble question form, but in an arrogant type of manner that represents a haughty heart um, and a stance that wants to be in judgment of God versus God being in judge of us. Okay, verse 20 in our text this morning, quite right, you're broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited of fear. So that correlates with 1 Corinthians 10, 12, which we just went over not too long ago in our sermon series. So what does that one say? 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Right? Yeah. Paul's given us this warning more than once. Verse 21 in our text this morning. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So Isaiah 27, verse 11. Does anyone have the NLT in here? If not, that's okay. But. I've got it. Go for it. The people are like the dead branches of a tree, broken off and used for kindling beneath the cooking pots. Israel is a foolish and stupid nation, where the people have turned away from God, therefore. The one who made them will show them no pity or mercy. Yeah, there you go. Ouch. Uh, New Living Translation. <coughs> All right. And then verse 22 has several that I, I just couldn't pass. So Romans 2, 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 2, and John 15, 2 uh, correlate to our verse 22 this morning. Um, again, the verse 22, Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. So Romans 2, 4, 
way back in probably July when we covered this of last year. Does anyone have it? If not, I can read it. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, mm -hmm. not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is God's kindness that we are um, able to partake at all. 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15, verse 2. Uh, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Right. We just went over that. Um, right? We just went over that verse, believing in vain, which is talking about those among the church that don't actually truly believe. Right? And then John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not have fair fruit, he takes away in every branch. That does bear fruit prunes that it may bear more fruit. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> Strong verse. Especially just putting up side by side in Paul's letter here to the church of Rome. Yeah, that's a good one to think on and dwell on. Verse 23 correlates to 2 Corinthians 3.16. Verse 23 says, and also if they do not continue in there and believe, they will be, graft, uh, be grafted in for God and is able to graft them in again. So 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, But whoever, or whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Excellent. Excellent. And then verse 24, we just, again, flip back a couple pages to Romans that we already covered earlier at the beginning. But chapter 9, verse 4, um, again, who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption and sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple services and the promises. Okay? So now we're seeing this bigger picture that Paul didn't just start here in these verses. He's been talking about this for quite a while. And he is wanting to address this with the church in Rome, who is, at this point, mostly Gentile uh, believers. And, of course, there's going to be some Jews among them, but uh, the majority would be Gentile. Uh, so we see here this, this bigger picture. Do you remember last week Tyler's wonderful artistic drawing he had up here? It was so good I had to take a picture, so I remembered it about that timeline and bigger picture that uh, I'm referring to here is that timeline that he drew out. Where it starts with, with Abraham here in the blessings, right? And let's put the cross right about here. And there was several several key marks in this, this portion here. And uh, we drew a little church, even though the church is not a building, it's not a building, but that's just a representation of the people, right? And we're in this, we're in this part right now, and this is the, the Church of Rome is in this section right here, which is after the cross, and which is after these branches are cut off, right? We got the tree, and the branches were, were cut off, and they're over here. And then the new ones were grafted in. 
yeah, this is the church. This is the church being grafted into this tree. Well, eventually, eventually that the narrative's going to change. But for now, this bigger picture, for the church of Rome, God is using the Gentiles um, as he unfolds his plan uh, to bring about the promises that he made to Abraham. Because God will hold to his word. He will hold to his covenant. Uh, Paul ultimately desires for his brethren to be saved, right? We went over that again and again and again in the last three chapters. Um, and he knows that God is uh, bringing in the masses of Gentiles for a season right now. And he's doing it to make his obstinate, disobedient, and unbelieving people, the nation of Israel, he's doing it to make them jealous, right? We see that. We're in that timeline right now where that's happening. So Paul is very, very serious about converting, converting as many Gentiles to Christ as possible. Because, well, one reason is, it will arouse the Jews. It's going to make them more jealous, seeing that the world is enjoying the blessings of God as he pours them out upon the nation and not them. The blessings that were theirs, right? Well, and not only the blessings that were theirs, but the blessings that are theirs, and the blessings that have never had a full fulfillment that God yeah. explicitly made to them that, that still have yet to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, there is no spiritual fulfillment of those things. There's a literal fulfillment, and that's yet future. Yet future, yeah. The Gentiles must live in God's kindness, and be humble about their adoption, knowing that their salvation comes from the promises of God to Abraham and his chosen seed. May I read Amos? Yeah. Seven. I mean, 9, verse 11, it says yeah. that in that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David and, the, and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old in order that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name. That amazing declares Yahweh who does this. The days are coming. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's so much, there's so much promises, and we've covered um, quite a bit of them in um, previous lessons as well. I know Tyler talked on some last week as in conjunction with all this, but there's so much promises, as Jeremy said, that are unfulfilled that are still to come. Pride in one's, one's own standing is detrimental to their adoption and will and will result in being cut off. True belief and faith will result in a humility of that knowledge, of that truth, and not put ourselves up on any pedestal thinking highly of ourselves. We're here to think highly of our God and to praise Him and give Him the worth and the honor and the glory.
So application for today, right? How do we apply this to our lives now as we've gone through this text? It can, it can be gone through so much more thoroughly than just this right here, right now. There's, there's so much more in here that you could research and cross-reference and um, be educated on. So it's really hard to get it all in one sitting in one class for sure. Um, Hopefully this is just to whet your appetite and you can do some more study on your own. What are the blanks below? Which, which line? God is using the Gentiles to make jealous. I'm sorry. Did you... I read them all. Sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I'll let you see my notes. Go back. Back. <laughs> yep. Okay, so application for today. This is where the fun begins. How do we apply this to us today? We don't be mean to Joe. <laughs> don't be arrogant toward Joe, our resident Jew. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's a good start. Nobody would dare. She <laughs> <laughs> got a stick. <laughs> <laughs> So as Gentiles, we've been gifted, right? And grafted into the family of God. So that's something alone just to rejoice over, to be so so grateful and, and thankful in each and every one of our own personal salvation. Everyone that we we might witness to or we talk to or we hear about through friends or through family or through the church body. Anyone who calls upon Jesus as their Lord, it's, it's just such an amazing gift. And it's nothing that anyone deserves, especially those that aren't Jewish, right? The, the promise hadn't been to the forefathers. Um, Abraham was promised to, to bless all the nations, and this is how it's going about. <coughs> Through the grafting in, unnaturally, the wild olive tree into cultivated olive tree. So it's just, it's just worth looking up to, to God and, and being so thankful and grateful each and every day that we, we have, right? That's, that's something we can all do personally. Um, it's something that we can all do within our, our households, with our family, and it's why we're all here today. And we're doing it together with one voice, with one heart. And we breathe together and we sing together. And we're going to go in the other auditorium and, and just lift up our voices and our hearts and realize we're not here for ourselves. We're here to give God worth, to proclaim his worth to him. And we're here to praise him and uh, worship him today. That's one way I see that applies for us here today. It was, I want to say it was Romans 9.19. Mm -hmm. The next verse said that, you know, um, who are you to question God? Yep. Oh man, who answers back to God? Yep. Because it's... 
the thing that Israel made a mistake on, right? They're like, well, we're God's people. We have the law. We have the covenants. We have the prophets. And yet Israel repeatedly killed the prophets and repeatedly ignored the directives that were coming from God. And we're, we're like double that way because we're Gentiles. We didn't have the law of the prophets uh, as part of our, our ethnic makeup, right? So we're sort of like double, double jeopardy. You know, God, God is sovereign. God is the one who chooses. And we have no say over it. We're the one. He's the potter. We're, we're the we're the the wild branch that's been grafted onto his cultivated tree, right? Yeah, it's interesting to think how God called the people of Israel, and we know it wasn't because they were the greatest, biggest, most powerful nation. It was the opposite of all that, right? And He used them, and He raised them up, and He gave them the covenant, uh, the covenants, and the promises. Um, all the blessings that they didn't deserve. No room for arrogance, no room for hubris. Not many of you were wise or strong, right? Honorable, right? Now it seems as it's it's flip flopped as the nation of Israel has propped themselves up and gotten prideful and arrogant based off of their works and their accomplishments. Uh, now, now God's using the, the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, which would be the Gentiles. You and me. Yeah. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> exactly. Okay, how about the good fruit that we can bear now? Is yes, it, Joe. Is it embarrassing to be a Jew? Is it embarrassing? No, absolutely not. They're so With all the stupid things they've done. <laughs> no more embarrassing than being a Gentile. Trust me. <laughs> no, there, there's still many good things in being a Jew, and he just covered that in uh, chapter 3, right? I believe that there's... 9452? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's lots of lots of blessings in being a Jew. So no need to be embarrassed. That's for sure. And we've been told you know, one of the put it away already. One of the things for us to remember is to pray for Israel, to pray for the peace of Israel, right. to love the Israelis and you know, seek their peace and restoration for goodness sake. Absolutely. On an individual places, obviously we can't do anything about nationally. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's a good way to apply to our lives today. Tyler. And of course here, Paul is talking about the, the larger context of the, the kingdom of God, right? That it's made up of both Jews and Gentiles, and we shouldn't be jealous or, or arrogant towards the, the Jewish race. Um, but applying that more to our, our situation here, I think we can still fall into that trap of just thinking, okay, well, um, God has shown me this grace, and I have this understanding, this knowledge that other people don't have. And... Um, Thinking other people foolish for not being able to see, for not being able to realize the, the truth of God. Mm -hmm. And so we need to guard ourselves against being arrogant Good. against yeah. those who, who are around us who um, have a, a false gospel. They think they have the truth. And, um, God hasn't chosen us because we're wiser in any respect. We're 
we need to guard ourselves against arrogance in that respect as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And yeah, and that goes right along the lines of producing good fruit. We weren't able to produce any good fruit prior to our own salvation, and now, now it's possible. But it's thanks to God. It's thanks to the root. It's thanks to the promises that God has made beforehand. Right? We are being used by God, and we're being used in part to make the Jews jealous. So we need to be obedient, preach the gospel to the world. Um, the more Gentiles that are brought in to saving grace, the closer we get to ushering in um, the nation of Israel. Yeah, absolutely. For all peoples, mm -hmm. Jewish and Gentiles. There are Jewish people most are, are not believers in God. Yeah, yeah, they're not. It doesn't matter, Jewish, Gentile. It's because of the gospel. Partial hardening. <clears throat> right. Yeah, and, and it says there in verse 25, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Another way that can be translated is until the final number of the Gentiles has come in. Right? And so however big God's church will be, he has he has that plan already. And we're part of that. And we're we're blessed to be a part of that, to bear this fruit, to go share this good news with the entire world. Those of unbelief in the church will be cut off just as the unbelieving Israelites were cut off. We need to keep that in mind. It's important to Here to, to good doctrine. Right? In a visible church, right? <clears throat> Say that. Those who are unbelieving in the visible church will be cut off. So those who are a part of Christ's church, the bride of Christ, who are truly in Christ, they will never be cut off. But right. Yes, yeah. who are here the local visible church. Yeah, again, thinking of physically people that we're with, just like the nation of Israel, um, they were a part of the nation of Israel. They were there. They were benefiting from all the blessings, um, but they didn't have belief, and they were cut off. And the same thing can happen to, as Tyler says, the visible church, the, the, what we see, what we experience here, um, including this church right here. Right now it's possible, right? And churches throughout the world and throughout this nation, unbelief will be cut off. It just will be. So the good doctrine, uh, good teaching, understanding, going somewhere where you can um, ask questions and, and seek for further understanding and um, get good counsel and wise direction and do that with our family, do that with our children. It's important that we take that as a priority so that it's not just uh, everyone gets saved because we attend Orchard Hills Bible Church. That's just not the case. Absolutely not. So we're a part of this bigger picture, uh, bringing in the full number of the Gentiles so that the hardening will be done with and Israel will be grafted back into the family of God, right? We're all a part of this timeline that's going on that we just, we don't know the future, but God does. 
So if you want to usher in Christ, start preaching the gospel to everyone that you see and meet and talk to in whatever way, fashion, form, or that you can. It could be a gentle, simple conversation, or it can be, you know, going out with Joseph and standing on the street corner and um, just walking up to everyone that you see and, and asking them what they believe and why. And uh, any, I think any way that we can do that, it's going to work for some in, in some ways and work for others in other ways. And um, Lots of us all have family in here that we want to share the gospel with, and that can be the, the hardest talk, most tender relationships that we have. So um, doing that is just as important as the person walking down the street or in the car next to us or at our jobs. But the way we live also is important that people would actually give an ear to us, that they would uh, want to listen to what we have to say, um, that we wouldn't be hypocrites yeah. in the gospel and in the life of Christ that he's called us to live. Um, by no means will we be perfect, as you all know. And as we talk about many times here at this church, but it's just as, as we stumble, as we sin, we ask for forgiveness, we repent, our almighty God and we repent to our, our friends or our family we ask for forgiveness from the co-workers whatever it is just be that example and um, do it in joy and not in fear we have nothing to fear if you're a part of God's family you are in permanently and we went over that in Romans chapter 8 nothing can separate you from the love of Christ ever but there's so much joy to be had and it's just living that out uh, we can see that here in these verses as we've gone over them. The next set of verses are equally as important and just as exciting. And we're almost done with chapter 11. And then we'll get into uh, chapter 12 and beyond, which are, again, very, very exciting. Paul wrote such an amazing letter here that we get to benefit from every day. You can dive into this letter every single day. Okay, and that's time. We're done. Any last comments? Tyler? Good? And I'll give you those notes. If anyone else needs the fill in the blanks, um, I got them here. So I'll, I'll let you check that out. Thank you for your time. And let me close in prayer. Father, thank you again for your word and your truth and your goodness and just the richness that you are feeding us with each and every day of our lives so we can partake in your, your blessings, your mercy, your grace. Please give us hearts to share that with everyone around us, with our friends, our family, our neighbors. Lord, may we be used by you and continue producing the fruit that you've, you've uh, ordained for us. You've put that before us before you know, time was even a thing. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask for um, you to be blessed this morning in our worship to you. In Jesus' name.